how to start? Well, you know, it's just writing. I mean, here's something important to remember about dialogue. Every word matters. No, it doesn't. They're modern. I want to go to this place that I think it needs to go to. The only thing that counts is what you see on the screen. I will write like four or five, six hours a day. And it will be a voice made of ink and rage. Okay, I'm, re I'm really glad you asked me that question. Welcome to the Creative Principles Podcast. I'm your host, Brock Swinson. Over the past 200-plus episodes, I've had the good fortune of speaking with dozens of screenwriters, actors, and directors, such as Aaron Sorkin, Mel Brooks, Carrie Fukunaga, Whitney Cummings, Michael Imperioli, and William Monaghan, among others. We've dissected ideas on story, character, filmmaking, habits, and various principles for creative life. If this is your first time listening, make sure to hit that subscribe button on iTunes or SoundCloud. You can also find several of these interviews on the Creative Screenwriting Magazine website, in addition to some that aren't available in audio, such as with Nick Kroll or Stephen Merchant. In addition to the podcast, also make sure to search for the new video essay series on YouTube, also called Creative Principles, where we take a deep dive into movies and television. Join millions of viewers for subjects like the 16 personalities expressed as characters. Did Home Alone, Rowan John uses career, the greatest movie never made, and how Jackie Chan creates perfection through failure, among many more. That's Creative Principles on YouTube. At age 25, Mike Mills found a path to filmmaking through making music videos, following the path of Spot Jones, and eventually working with musicians like Moby and the BC Boys. He launched his career with Thumbsucker, an adaptation of Walter Kern's novel, Followers, followed by Beginners, and most recently, Come On, Come On. The plot follows a woman who asks her radio journalist brother to help look after her son. In this interview, Mills talks about working with Joaquin Phoenix for this film, his obsession with moments, why it takes five or six years to make a movie, when a script becomes, quote, sticky, and how to communicate with strangers in the dark room. You can also see this interview on the Creative Screenwriting website. I didn't start off thinking I was going to be a director at all, and writing was really not my thing or something I wasn't good at or at all. I went to art school, thought I was going to be some sort of visual fine artist type person, you know, and um, that felt so rarefied and kind of like so privilegy on top of privilegy. And a bunch of us tried to get like more into the public sphere. We were very pretentious and thought we were political or something. So I got into design and kept looking for more ways to get like really into the public world and not into a rarefied world. And um, I lived in New York City, lived in the East Village, and this sounds like a joke, but it's, and it is, and it isn't. Um, I lived near Jim Jarmusch, and I kept seeing him around everywhere, and I saw his films, and his films were very accessible in a way, you know, and I've been watching films at art school, and like Fellini's Eight and a Half was a big deal for me, just so magic, um, and that same summer, I remember seeing Errol Morris's Thin Blue Line, and somehow like hanging out in the same coffee line as Jim Jarmusch and seeing Errol Morris's film sort of made me feel like, oh, maybe I could do that world. Mm -hmm. But I was like 25, 26, 27. So I was kind of late. I had no training at all. Um, and then I just started, I was doing a lot of record covers. And I just started begging everyone I could to do their video for free. And like for a year or two, just begging. 
And what videos do, at least when I started, is you write ideas. It's like a contest of ideas. And I was, um, you know, like I knew Spike Jones a little bit from skateboarding and Spike introduced me to Michelle Gondry's work. And especially those two guys, um, they were really great at coming up with ideas, either narratives or sort of Rube Goldberg ideas. Like, the, but there's a, there is a narrative flow to like a Michelle Gondry video, even if it's not a narrative, there's, there's a causality going on. So that, so I had, to, I had to get really, had to get good enough at writing ideas to compete, right? That was, and it was really interesting. Uh, and when I was doing fine art, I was like a conceptual art student. So somehow it related. And, um, but I was horrible at actually writing, spelling, reading, all that kind of stuff. I was like a punk rock kid who went to art school. So I, I was bad at all that. Um, and then it's just like years and years and years and years and years and years of like, um, just sticking to it, trying, trying. And then my first thing I really wrote film wise, I wrote a short film that went to Sundance that was called The Architecture of Reassurance which I don't think is very good, the writing or the filmmaking, but it helped me, right? Got me to the next step. And then I adapted Walter Kern's book, um, Thumbsucker for my first film. And having those like crutches or like something that existed did really help me. But I kind of feel like I didn't really find myself until I did Beginners. And that was really brought on by my dad, my dad's bravery of both coming out and the way he handled his last days was, pretty wild and it made me be braver or something yeah that was a long answer to that's good question. then that was yeah. good can you expand on um you said thumb sucker kind of gave you i forget the word you said but kind of some tent poles to go off of what did that mean exactly is that like within storytelling like how did you kind of use that going forward well there was the story there was the existing novel that walter mm -hmm. kern wrote so there's an existing plot Right, and plot's always been my hardest, baddest, worst thing. And I still feel pretty like plot disabled. Um, so, but there was an existing plot and a lot of great little moments. And, and what I have come to learn is like, I love real feeling moments. I really feel like it was something that was real and observed and not written, right? And that's has like the most sort of nutrients and the most, I don't know, it's just the most stuff in it, right? And Walter's really good at that in that book. So it kind of, kind of taught me like how to smell those moments, like feel them, see them, know, know them when you see them, right? In writing, like know, know what you like in writing when you see it. And that story isn't my story, but it could relate to a lot of it. And then Walter was a lovely man to me, very generous, very accepting of my changes and what I was trying to do and super supportive and continues to be, I see him once in a while. And like, what a, well, that was lucky. I was really lucky that he was so nice and supportive because his book is much better than my movie. <laughs> and he was generous. What were some of the things you picked up on following maybe a, a path of like Jim Jarmusch and Spike Jones? Because they're not traditional. It's very much like stylized type things. And then the, the studios want usually something different than that. So how did you kind of... What were some of the things you've picked up when they were doing as writer directors? Well, I've not, I don't know if I've ever, like the studios, I've never really interacted with that, you know, because being a writer director, you're, you're already like a entrepreneur or you're like mm -hmm. a, you're like a startup company 
first employee is what you really are. Um, let's see what, it, well, um, Jim Jarmusch's humor that isn't like joke driven, but it's like situational or something, or just like much odder, um, that his cinematography is really quite beautiful, right? So there's like a high level of, of visual, visuality, <laughs> visualness. Um, um, and his observational quality, which he got from Ozu. So like I learned about Ozu from Jim Jarmusch and Ozu's continued to be like a huge landmark for me just in terms of filmmaking. And then Spike, yeah, again, humor and Spike and the BC Boys, which kind of go hand in hand with me. And we both work for the BC Boys in different ways. Like just doing what you think you should, you want to do, not what you should do, right? There's like a whole school of that that comes from punk skateboarding, but also just the BC's career and being around them and working with them and watching how they make decisions. And the same goes with Spike. Um, just like a bravery to like be yourself and make make yourself crack up or make yourself interested and not and not um, follow any sort of industrial guidelines. What does some of your time look like between films? You kind of mentioned like an entrepreneur of one. Like, what does that look like? Are you constantly working on ten projects, seeing which one gets further? Are you having meetings? Are you spending a lot of time writing? Are you making like lookbooks? What does some of that stuff look like? Uh, well, I, um, so my films do tend to take this like five, six year period and like, and like a year of that is shooting and editing and prepping. And, uh, that's like a year and a half or two maybe. Uh, and then it tends to take me like a year to three to write any of my scripts. And I'm pretty, I don't, I do one project at a time. I'm, I'm not entrepreneurial. Like I'm not in that way. I'm not, I'm not like, oh, this one or that one. I, I'm like, it's so hard for me to believe in one, right? Um, um, right now, I kind of do have more than one in my head, but that's not that's not really how it goes. So it takes me just some, can I cuss? It takes me a fuckload of time to write a script. It just takes me years. And I'm working on it pretty constantly. You know, I'm not, I'm not lazy. And when people, I think people might think, of the duration it takes for me to do my films. I'm just like chillax by the pool or go to Switzerland and hang out or whatever. And I wish that was true. Um, I'm working and then I, I don't make a living making feature films. I get paid union minimums on both the unions I'm in. So like, let's just be honest, that cocks out to about 220 grand for five years of work. So you can imagine I need to make other money. And um, that is doing ads. I direct ads like once or twice a year to, to be a parent with a house. Do you always find a personal connection like you do with beginners? Is that kind of what leads yeah. you to spend that much time? What was the kind of the, the origin of this new film? My kid, me and my kid. So, so this one's like me and my kid and, and the world that my kid showed me of other kids and just childhood and my childhood, like rethinking it and, um, your connection to the world at large when you're a parent, but a lot just like me and my kid, just me giving my kid a bath. I mean, trying to get my kid to go to sleep and all the crazy mysterious world of ideas and feelings and so forth that come up in that very intimate space. And then 20th century woman is very much my mom and my sisters and all the women that were around me and really were like my great and razors when, uh, when, uh, I was a kid. That's my dog chiming in. That's okay. very personal. <laughs> hey, Mickey, come here. Come here.
you know, starting with the beginners, I, I feel like I had this kind of amazing story. It's really just my dad's story of like being born in 1924 and knowing you're gay and not coming out until you're 75. And then the choices he made when he came out and how it affected me in my life. And I'll, so much of that film is right from my dad's life, his work, uh, all the Harvey Milk stuff, the Velveteen Rabbit, those are all actual pictures from my dad's world, you know? Mm -hmm. And um, what that kind of proved to me, and as an audience member, I knew this, like very personal stuff can be the most commercial, the most communicative, the most connective with other people, right? Mm -hmm. And the love you have of, of the person and the closeness you have to like what you witnessed um, keeps you going or like when it gets rough, when you get lost, you have like a source that's like really strong and vibrant and under your skin that like kind of keeps you in it because it's a long, humiliating, difficult process, especially like beginners and 20th, like for most of the time before I was shooting, it did not seem like I was going to be, be able to make either. And that's like for years, you know? So you're just like going against reason the whole time. So for me, it helped to have like this real connection and kind of love thing, feeling it all. What's some of your choices about like making these stories or themes fictional as opposed to documentary is it more about the process of writing it and exploring it over a long period of time as opposed to maybe something like that well i love um i do love taking from real life but then shaping it like then then writing you know what i mean then finding ways to like play with it and look at it from different angles and in a way that you couldn't in a documentary and i'm really into cinematography like i'm really into directing <laughs> so so like i want to be like um you know i want to be like fellini or i want to be like woody allen i want to be like vin benders i want to be like agnes varda i want to be like vera chilova right like i want i want to make a movie um that's that's um what's got hooked into me is like that feeling i want to make casablanca you know um may not seem like it but i do yeah in your personal life, is this, do you have one child, a couple of children? How, like how old is your child when you're writing this and that type of thing? Um, they were six when I was in the heat of it. They're nine now. I have one, I have one nine-year-old person. Mm -hmm. Did it start to shape some of your interactions? Did you like, oh, we should go do this together and see what that's like because of the movie? Anything like that happening? Because uh, it's, um, so my other two movies, they, the source was a parent who was, passed away it was gone and that was kind of like a weird grace because i didn't have to just had to have this agreement in my head like okay when i see them later and wherever it is uh i have to be able to explain myself and then and that was i really lived by that it's like okay cool that's the rules like i had to i had to imagine seeing them and them going like what's up with that movie you made about me <laughs> you know and being able to like live through that conversation much trickier with a kid your kid who's young and, and even if they say like, cool, do a movie like that, they don't really have real consent, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it stopped me for a number of years making the movie because I didn't know how to do it in a way that I felt comfortable enough that I wasn't messing with my kid's life or like invading their privacy or all that. And in those years, I found enough ways to like distance it 
and enough ways to go like, okay, this part, which I did see is like tame enough that I can include. And this part, which I did see, I'm, I would never include and I would never share. So parsing through all that really took a long time for me. But once I did, once you start writing, any some of my things come from really personal sources, but once you start writing, you're on your own trip and you're and you're listening like to the writing gods, or you're hoping that the writing gods are going to start talking. And you're and you're like listening to the writing and you're and you're you have these journals that you wrote in, or for me, there's like notebooks of like all the ideas that I saw, right? But once I really start writing, I'm on I'm on a different trip. I'm thinking about strangers in the arc light watching my movie and how to talk to them, you know. And so, especially in the case of come on, come on, I didn't, um, I wanted to keep a distance with me and my kid. I wanted to protect my kid. I wanted to not like exploit my kid and all that. And hopefully I didn't. Um, my kid and I do a ton of stuff together. So once in a while I would be like, I needed to go location scout on Saturday and, and I'm taking care of my kid. So we would go to Santa Monica Pier and I would take, there's, there's my kid in the pictures or we would be in New York City and um, there's, there's some pictures of, of Hopper like that. Um, but no, it, it, from the moment you start writing, it's becoming a piece of art that has its own volition, you know, and its own character that's not in your control that you, at least for me, like you just had to kind of follow its vibe, learn how to listen to it, uh, like build the brain that will let you do and complete the job and you don't have that brain when you start so you're just it's it's very it's very different than like a personal memoir at that point are there aspects that are different about your scripts versus maybe scripts you read are you including camera movements and, and some of those things uh luckily i'm a, i'm only right for myself Right. So I never include a camera movement or I, my action stuff is very dry and very minimal, you know? Mm. And also I, if I went up once in a while, I do read a script. I, I prefer it when a writer writes like that too. Cause it's like, it's, 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 it's laborious. And it's also like, God, hopefully you don't know how that camera is going to move, you know, mm. like hopefully that, that location's going to tell you something, you know? that you didn't see coming. Hopefully that actor's gonna show you some amazing surprise that you didn't see coming. Hopefully your instincts are gonna grow from the time you wrote the script to when you're shooting it, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. that, that present all these great options that you couldn't have predicted, you know? So I'm a, I'm a slightly funny screenwriter, I think in some ways, cause like, I think, I think writing is, is, is centrally important. You know, like I really, it's, it's, uh, and the hardest, I think it's the hardest thing I do. So I have like tons of respect for it. I don't feel like I'm the greatest writer. I'm a great listener. I'm a great editor, you know, um, but, uh, or great, whatever. I'm a better editor and listener. Um, um, where is I going with that? Oh, but I'm not super beholden to my, my scripts. You know what I mean? Like to, to me, they're, they're essential to get like you to the cosmos you need to be to shoot. And, but I'm not going to like be completely beholden to something I wrote a year or two earlier in the vacuum of this room, you know, like hopefully I'm better, deeper, richer, I've learned some stuff. Hopefully there's some amazing surprises waiting there that the film gods have like laid out for me to be available for, you know? 
So I'm always hunting for like that, which I did not know the week before. Hmm. Is there any rules that break that? Is there any like, well, let's be spontaneous and open, but also this is the North star, anything like that? When you Oh, there's, there's tons of North stars. There's tons of North stars and there's tons of surprises. Like every scene has a North star. You know what I mean? Like every scene has like a real need, but like sometimes the way you find that need or express it or make it communicable to other people is like different than you expect it. Or often there's a scene and it's pretty much like how you envisioned it. It's very much how you wrote it. And all the dialogue is exactly the same, but the coloring is just completely different than you ever anticipated as a writer. Like that happens to me a lot, you know? And I love that. Usually it's like much better. It's just much more alive and unpredictable. But no, it's not like my scripts are all, I'm not Mike Lee. I'm not like, I'm not as, as you know, I definitely have a structure and a story to tell that's in the script. And there's definitely a thing we're chasing, you know? Um, so it, so it's some middle ground. It's not, it's not like just all over the place. Or some of your conversations, like a walking Phoenix about this character, did you relate it to yourself? Did you let, did you purposely move it at all when he came on board? Um, well, all the, all the times there's been like a me-ish person in the movie and, and, or some like Christopher playing a, my dad-ish person. Super important to tell him you're, it's yours now. Like you're the author now, you know what I mean? You're the author of that person we see on screen. And I really need to do that because my source is personal and very known. And I had to like really just go like, okay, Christopher's obviously not my dad. This movie is not reality. This movie is this movie. <laughs> so it needs to be alive for Christopher, Joaquin, Ewan McGregor, whoever, right? And, and I need to get into, I need to help it get under their skin. I need to help it get intermingled with their heart and soul and life and history because I want them to bring all that to the screen, right? So I'm trying to find every way that like, Christopher's real life has some kind of overlap or, or Joaquin's has some kind of overlap. And I'm trying to exploit that or I'll push it that way. You know what I mean? When I'm like, oh, this quality really works with you right now. Mm -hmm. So let's, let's, let's push that part. So Joaquin, what did we say? Um, didn't, you know, Joaquin's such an interesting, such an intelligent, mysterious, lovely soul, like the funnest person I've worked with and this funnest collaborator about writing too, really smart about writing and story and how to not be expositional and how to not be like virtue signaling, you know, and all that. But it wasn't like, I don't know, be really hard to, there's a lot of conversations just about life and being an uncle and having like what it's like with your family and what it's like for moms. We both are big observers of moms. We always have a lot of moms in our life and like young moms our age, you know? and uh, that we love and that we're very close to. So a lot of talk, us, like us as guys, not moms talking about moms and like what moms do and go through, which is kind of like a lot of what the film is, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think along the way, Joaquin would find a little piece here or there, but we spent like months, I didn't know if he's gonna do the film or not, where we meet like once or twice a week for like three or four or five hours and just read the script. And I read all the other parts and he would read his part. And he would have questions, but he would kind of like stop in the middle of a line. I'd be like, what? And he'd be like, often it's like, like, how do you say that? I was like, well, it's like, come in. I'm like, what do you mean? This is like, come in. And he'd be like, oh, I don't know. How do you do that? And, but then he would have the most interesting, like, 
question about like, well, why did he say come in there? How would he say come in? Why, you know, you'd have these like experiential based questions as an actor and as just a smart person that that was really helpful to me. And the script was very written, been written for years, mm. but like it got a lot better after those sessions. Have you always had this level of patience? I mean, just those conversations and all, all, and all the writing and everything else, has that always been there? Have you developed that over time? Uh, gosh, I guess maybe I have had some kind of patience. It hasn't been fun. I don't enjoy how long it takes. Um, and this last one was sh the shortest ever, but it, like, have I had patience? No, I don't think I have. I, and I don't think it's been easy. And and sometimes it's really driven me to like total depression because I have so much impatience and I'm like so mad at myself for not like being better, getting it done quicker, um, capitalizing on like after beginners, I got stuck and I couldn't write this thing or it took, I spun out in all these different ways. And I'm like, oh, I'm losing my opportunity here. I'm losing my moment with like just a couple of eyes on me. <laughs> and, uh, um, and that can lead me, that can lead me to like, a really unhealthy and unhappy, uncreative, total depressed place where I have to put it down for like a month or two because mm -hmm. I've just, I've driven myself nuts. Um, but maybe now as I get older, so I'm 55 now, um, like this last time around and with COVID and all that, I definitely felt like, okay, I'm only going to make so many films and that's fine. Like Hal Ashby is sort of my hero. It's like, what do you do? Five, six films maybe. And and I'm psyched about that. And especially as, you know, whatever privilege white dude, the world's not, you know, the world's not, I've taken up enough space, right? I don't, I don't need to make 800 films, you know? And there's a ton of films out there. There's no, there's no like, no one's starving, right? Everyone's okay. Um, I'm, I'm happy with my level of ambition. And, and films take up a lot of space. They take up a lot of your life. They take up a lot of room. They take up a lot of cultural room. So I feel like it'd be kind of greedy to ask for more films than I'm getting to make personally. We'll just do um, uh, one or two more. It sounds like though, so a lot of people, writers that, you know, take the 101 courses, they're like, well, if they're missing a scene, they go watch something and they kind of steal from other movies. It feels more like you're problem solving, almost like an author or something like that. Do you feel that you're spending it years exploring themes? Like, how do you kind of see your films in hindsight? Um, moments, because I'm much moments. more into moments than like plot or story. I'm much more into like situations and moments that just feel really real. And yeah, there's something being communicated about that person's soul or about like life or whatever, but it'd be really hard to predict or to say why. So it's a lot of like trial and error and experiential stuff where I just try this one out. I try that one out. I try that one out. And I have to have a lot of readers and then you kind of get good at like reading your readers and you're like, okay, that one's sticky, you know? And that one's just indulgent. And that one is kind of sticky, but I need to work on it. So it's a lot of that is what takes me forever. Um, every once in a while, I, I'll totally steal from a movie too, or be influenced. And I feel like that's, I don't really super believe in hyper originality. Like I, that's a kind of myth to me. Um, it's, I believe in ingenuity more than like, you know, uh, and there's people that are more original than others. Um, 
Um, and I love films and I love having heroes and I love having films that are heroes that I'm chasing. I, I love that kind of unreal camaraderie, you know? Um, like this film, Come On, Come On, very indebted to Vim Bender's um, Alice in the Cities, you know? Um, and I enjoy that company a lot. I'm not sure if Vim does, but I, I really do. And I really appreciate like um, art, <laughs> especially as I get older, <laughs> like films and art, like that other stuff that exists already, having any kind of relationship with it is um, very antidepressing to me, you know? Um, so I spent a lot of time, but okay, I guess to contradict all that, why is my things take so long? Sometimes it is because I'm not following normal plot at all. I'm not following normal structure. So it's like totally, it is very um, experimental and let's try this and let's try that. And I'll, for, for what you finally see in the movie, the weird ass shit that I tried for years, like the amount of weird ass shit that didn't work that I tried for years, that's, that's basically what the process is of like, that's just way too weird and that's just way too weird and that's just way too weird and like what actually communicates to the stranger in the dark room. Thank you for tuning in to the show. If it's your first time listening, make sure to hit that subscribe button and visit my new website for information on the YouTube channel, the blog, the podcast, and my new book, Ink by the Barrel, which takes advice from these 200 plus interviews and more at brockswinson.com. You'll see the link in the show notes. Thanks again.